into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Fuck it, let's just go. Ah, woo! Hello, out there in podcast land, uh, wanderer from Fallout. Uh, it's three dog. It's three dogs. It's three of us. We're chill dogs. It's Pod Damn America, <laughs> the Gothic Socialist Podcast for Halloween time. Um to reach the children that are dumb. I forgot all the various things we've been over the years, but it's Halloween. We're in our element. I'm certainly in mine. Uh, I know I'm probably pushing that hardest on this show, but uh, guess what? It's happening. Me, Jamie Peck, that weird vampire podcast they have, we're starting a movement to incite a revolution from the halls of gross nightclubs where uh, the dance party from the beginning of Hellraiser happens. Um, I'm Jake Gorez. Uh, hello, everyone. Alex Patak is here. Alex Patakula here, and I'm one of the dogs, and you get a closer look at me under the moonlight, and I'm a skeleton dog. Thank Ooh. you for having me. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. Bow, wow, wow, yiddy-o, yiddy-yay. Yiddy-o, yiddy-yay. I thought he said yippy. No. Well, yiddy. you misheard. It's Yiddy. <laughs> That's a Jewish song. <laughs> yeah. It's a Snoop Dogg's verse from Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except the Halloween, you already calls it Fiddler on the Woof. Folks, it's a <laughs> Halloween episode. <laughs> Woo! Holy shit. Uh, how are you guys doing? Do you have any plans for the big holiday this weekend? Have you done anything yet? Um, I still so have to I, think of a costume. We, we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we were last year. We didn't have to think of anything because of COVID. The year before that, we were Jeff and Ghislaine. I was Ghislaine. My girlfriend was Jeff. That's funny. And that challenges yeah. the gender binary. That's right. She likes to dress me up as a woman. Uh, don't we all? She likes to be a man. So I don't <laughs> she likes specifically to be Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, that's right. That was my idea. But I don't. I'm I'm clean out this year. I don't have any ideas. Um, I've even, I got one. I I got one. What's your idea? Okay, so I was talking to my brother on the phone about this earlier. Uh, I was telling him he should be Doctor Strange, and he was like, "I don't have a full outfit for Doctor Strange." So I I suggested this, and he didn't want to do it. So I'm going to steal it. You just get normal bathrobe, and you grow a mustache. Then you're Doctor getting strange <laughs> uh, <laughs> you go out and you're like do you know what i have my degree in <laughs> and people love that they love your costume they love that you're just wearing a robe on halloween 
it's something that the whole community enjoys. And so once I find out where I'm going, that's what I'm going to do. Strange is such a weird, trashy guy term. I mean, I think it specifically means like, it's like he's cheating on his girlfriend or something because he's getting like a novel new, but it's just weird to like imply (laughs) the orient of pussy. Your pussy is so (laughs) bizarre. And (laughs) (laughs) it's a perfect Halloween sex word is what it is. (laughs) I just assumed it was another euphemism for fellatio. Is it? It's no, I think it just means like new, like Chris Rock said on that old special, the new pussy. And it would get, bleeped right. out a million times on comedy central it's like yeah. the guys who say he got strange. that reaction jake was hoping for with the three dog reference <laughs> at the beginning of the show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't even you couldn't even hear the goddamn words well i guess they heard it in the room but you know what i'm saying back in the day all you had to do was talk about new pussy and wear a weird leather jacket that doesn't actually look cool people would lose their fucking mind but st- counterpoint it does look cool those 90s leather jackets are horrible. No. It's one of the coolest things there is. And it makes grown men bark like dogs when they see it. <laughs> that The guy who wears that jacket is the guy who talks about getting some strange, which is just a... Yeah, your pussy's so weird, baby. <laughs> just combining it with the Marvel Universe character Doctor Strange is what's really getting me. Like, he summons portals to, to bring out these yeah. wonderful ladies. No, what is a what is a portal if not an intergalactic pussy? I'm sure that's he loves Ooh. them for that reason. Looks like them. I'll have to get in the goop for this one. <laughs> all right. Well, we've alienated all the women that listen to our show. Let's get into our Halloween episode. Happy Halloween, everyone. Um, it's my favorite holiday. I love it. I'm going down to Florida to party at the fest. Um, but I've already watched a million scary movies this year. I've got a black cat that's very annoying. I'm living Halloween, baby. Um, Halloween, baby. Halloween baby starring Is Adam that it? Should that be a baby? Maybe you should be a baby. Well, you should have been a bit you should have had a third person be a baby with your Jeffrey Epstein Jelaine Maxwell costume. You know? As in Do hmm. they fuck children? That was their thing. Oh, yeah. Here's my I don't question. I thought that would play too well, but <laughs> I mean okay. you're already halfway there with the is a couple costume Jelaine yes. and, and Epstein. Did they have sex? Like, were they a couple? Because it seems they like they were a couple. Yeah, they. She was referred to as his girlfriend. I don't know for a while, much. and then I think they moved beyond to a partnership in sex trafficking. He was yeah. so fixated on fucking teenagers, and she was so old. She was like a cougar. Well, they would have right. three. They would have. Uh, three they both did people. it though. That was yeah. the thing. Oh, I see. And Anders wanted to <laughs> replicate this for his Halloween experience because he's so twisted. Yeah. It was 2019, man. We were... <laughs> <laughs> um, Couldn't watch I just have to say this before. It's not relevant anymore. But Halloween Baby is uh, Rachel Skeleton It. <laughs> I get it. I get you. Like Rachel Senate, but she's a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. like Shiva Baby, but... But yeah. Halloween baby. And the skeleton's all like hot on Instagram and stuff. It's showing right. you its it, 
showing you its bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Look at that pelvis. Bone. I never thought of you this way, skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, maybe I'll be that for Halloween. There we go. There you go, skeletonal baby. Rachel's ske- skeleton. <laughs> the everyone will get the joke. Everyone will. Understand. Everyone gets it now, and they'll get it then. What are we talking about today? Well, you know, I've been having a pretty good October. I had uh, the thing where people on Twitter are insane for the entire month of October, kind of happened to me, and so I had a lot of ideas been ping-ponging around and i honestly i had one that i think is really funny that i'm not gonna do today because uh there's just no time i had to pick between a few ideas so i'm gonna do this i think in a month or something it's still funny it would have been very funny to do as a halloween thing but if you've learned anything from the uh following me on twitter it's always halloween it's eternal halloween we'll just do it in november um thanksgiving is spooky it is. Find a way to make it spooky. Turkey made out of a human hand? This country's that, founded uh, on bones! <laughs> <laughs> There's that Eli Roth trailer, Thanksgiving. You remember that? That was pretty fun. It's very scary. I don't actually. But, um, you know, you could die from COVID. That's scary. Because uh, fucking people won't get vaccinated. Oh, well, what I want to talk about today... It's something that sort of like fell through the cracks in a bunch of stuff I was reading throughout the year um, and formed into a thing that I think will make a nice scrapple from the cutting room floor of making podcasts about other things. The various meats and hog offals formed into a terrifying loaf native to the diners of the Atlantic Northeast, if you've never had scrapple. It's a terrifying food. Um, Did you say hog offals? Yeah. I, the first time I ever came up here on tour, I went to a diner and I saw this food called Scrapple and I couldn't stop laughing because I was like, that's not a word. And then me and my friends were really hungover and we ordered it and we, then we looked up what it was when it came out. It's, just, yeah. it's made of a very, it's made, literally made of, it looks like a fucking weird flat meatloaf. And we we're like, what did we order? And it's, it's literally like cutting room floor sort of mix and match trimmings and oh, then no. in particularly grease. this word hog awful <laughs> oh, <laughs> which I thought no. was really funny <laughs> it's O-F-F-A-L that should be what strange is yeah it was, it was very strange <laughs> <laughs> next time you go into an east coast diner wa- saunter in there in your bathrobe with your mustache go you serve strange here I'm looking for some strange <laughs> And then when they I've never been so taken aback. You saying hog offals was like the most literary you have ever sounded. It's so funny. It's like the recipe is like, and then you scream at it in the oven, and then it comes out, it scares everyone. Now serve. Um <laughs> But uh so the the hog offal in question here is Basically, that I've been reading about the Haitian Revolution. I listened to Mike Duncan's podcast about it, which is excellent and everyone should listen to. I also read some books and stuff, and I got particularly fixated on something that I think is kind of interesting involving voodoo. So we're going to talk today about the long story of voodoo and the country of Haiti and the United States. Um, It all swirls together. Um... 
Voodoo is interesting. A word about it up top. I am not making fun of it, really. I know this is interesting, and this is all sorts of... Uh, this is kind of touch and go. We could get in trouble here for being too condescending or uh, you know, making fun of a re- what is it is a real religion and a real cultural practice. I'm going to leave that up for interpretation because, personally, I don't respect any religion really um you know they're all weird and full of folklore and stuff but also uh i think it's cool and most of this story employs voodoo in a really cool way except for like when uh as we'll get to some politicians like try to use it for their own advantage which is funny and weird and etc but you know tr- trigger warning spoiler alert alert hey sh- hey the voodoo trigger warning if there are any mystics uh listening the most spooky trigger warning there is <laughs> um I- uh, go ahead I was just gonna say, we don't we don't know that it doesn't work i've heard enough stories that uh, could be coincidences but they also could not be. I mean, there's a lot of shit like that in this story. We'll find, you yeah. know? And, um, you know, also, I probably won't get anywhere near, even though we are comedians and we're going to be joking about stuff, probably won't approach anything re- resembling the, the extent to which all of Western society has already bastardized voodoo. Like, there's a band called Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Can't do that there's with a, uh, Catholicism. There's a shop. In Portland, Oregon, right? Called Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, Voodoo it's Donuts. Portland, and it's uh, they apparently are treat their because it's made out of a potato. Stuff. It's a Voodoo Donut. Come on, is that is this a Kanish joke? No, there's also potato donuts. I may be getting them confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what um, I call strange. Is a Voodoo Donuts. Uh, it's not quite the same as a hog awful. On Jake's point about Catholicism, you could not do a band called Big Bad Pope Daddy. It <laughs> they'd run you out of town. Yeah. There are some things you don't do. I guess there's that band, the Flaming Popes or whatever. Though. But, you know, it's Flaming not lips. common. He's thinking of the Flaming Lips. Yeah, what am I thinking of? There's a band with popes oh. in it. Doesn't matter. Um, huh? 10,000 dead popes. Is that it? Yeah, like, t- like a million, ten million dead cops, or that band is called. Millions of dead cops, MDC. Millions of dead popes couldn't get away with it. You'd get a weird phone call. Um, I don't know because you voodoo might even get a curse from someone who practices voodoo. Over someone who practices voodoo would curse you over ba- blaspheming a voodoo thing. Blaspheming the Pope. Blaspheming Blaspheming the Pope. The Pope. Okay, I see. It's called solidarity. (laughs) Is it? What I have been told is that it is uh, Catholic related. Okay. You know what? Actually, that's that's a perfect segue because the reason I kind of got really like legitimately interested in this while I was reading it is because um, basically the story of voodoo is that it's a West African religion that uh, found its way into Haiti and then further into a uh, little bit into Louisiana because of various geopolitical things that we'll cover here in the story. Um, but what happened is because it was the indigenous uh, or not exactly indigenous in the case of Haiti, but uh, you know, the lowest class at a given points um, 
religion and cultural framework and practice, this thing known as syncretization happened, which is a term for when like indigenous folklore and religion survives either by overtly or covertly re manifesting itself in the ruling classes religion. So usually this happens with like Catholicism. So the same thing happens in, um, in Mexico, which I talked about last year on the Mexican revolution episodes where the, there's like a, like a Mayan crazy sacrifice ritual goddess called serpent skirt that has like no head. It is a terrifying lady made of snakes who, if you track long enough, you could see she reappeared as the lady Guadalupe. And that's still all that stuff still hanging around. And if you are from a family that's immigrated from that sort of place, you still have touch. You're still in touch with that sort of stuff. You might be like me and have grandparents that have, this weird fucking mixture religion going on with like candles and all sorts of weird shit. Or if you're Cuban, there's Santeria is another example. Well, um, Haiti specifically played out in a certain way. And so what happened is the purely African voodoo got mixed with the Catholicism that the Spanish and then later the French brought in. And so, um, a lot of this syncretization happened and, they, uh, through various different points, you know, would try to stamp out voodoo, but a lot of times just let it happen, as is the case in, in a lot of these, uh, places where sometimes the, the rulers will just sort of go, well, if the two things can coexist side by side, fuck it, who cares or whatever. And that's sort of is how it played out to some extent in Haiti because, um, the end result is, what Haitians would say around 30 years ago when I, when a lot of this stuff I was reading was made, I'm not sure. I'm kind of curious what things are like now, but what they would say is Haiti's a hundred percent, uh, or Haiti is 80% Catholic and a hundred percent voodoo, which means everyone has voodoo. Everyone practices voodoo. And most people go to the Catholic church because it's like this huge institutional part of society or whatever. Um, so it's, it's kind of both. That's kind of like how Boston is Boston strong. <laughs> yeah. More like Boston strange. There you go. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Gotcha. <laughs> Do not want any Boston strange. Those people are mean. That's one step below a mean band name about the Pope. <laughs> My friend, you watch yourself. So... To answer your question, yeah, you know what? That's actually feasibly possible that somebody would cast a voodoo curse, curse on you for blaspheming against the Pope because people are simultaneously Catholic and voodoo in uh, in Haiti, or, or at least were for most of this story. And uh, yeah. like I said, can't it's claim certainly Louisiana as well. Yeah, well, it gets up into Louisiana, uh, and then it turns into, you know, even a different kind of form there, because Louisiana is such a gumbo, you know? It's such a gumbo. And it's also gator country. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start here. Um, how the French ended up in Haiti. This story is going to kind of encompass everything from the beginning, but I'm going to... S- skip large swaths of it uh if you want to know everything about this i highly recommend mike duncan's series on the haitian revolution and um this book i read papa doc baby doc will be another source 
It's also got some pretty good stuff. It's hard to track down. There's stuff out there, but there's actually there's tragically little, which is why, you know, also why do a podcast about it? Um, there's a lot of stuff that just isn't translated and there's a lot of stuff, especially about the government that we're going to talk about later that isn't widely written about in America because, uh, it would make this country look pretty bad. So let's start with the country of Haiti, uh, or the Island of Hispaniola, actually, as it was known when the Spanish came to it. Um, I can't remember what the original name was it name of it was or if it even had one but basically they came and killed the Arawaks who were indigenous to it after like Columbus arrived um, there was gold on this island so Spain brought in African slaves but quickly plundered all the gold sort of got bored with the situation moved on to Mexico and Peru and um, Spain brought like like I said they brought in the African slaves but a small amount in comparison to what everything else was happening at the time uh, because they had killed all the Arawaks this formed pretty much the underclass of this island and uh, then you had obviously like colonizers living in the overclass um, eventually French and British pirates came into the picture because it was not a strategic uh occupation or possession to Spain. France eventually took over after numerous boring historical, you know, battles and disputes and stuff like that. Um, France officially settled, named it Hispaniola and it was split into Saint Domingue, the Saint Domingue, the West part, which is now Haiti and Santo Domingo, which was still occupied by Spain. Um, so the same name, but in different languages, which is really bizarre and weird. Um, Santo, Santo Domingo is now the Dominican Republic. So San Domingue and Santo Domingo became Haiti in the Dominican Republic. In San Domingue. Kind of like twins. Yeah. Like, uh, like twins. Not even going to do a uh, Van Halen joke there because the moment's passed. So, Agreed. <laughs> in Saint-Domingue, the French institute this thing called the Code Noir, which is where we get all sorts of racist classifications that eugenicists love to obsess over because they had essentially like a complex class system that was uh, heavily racial, too. So you had... The lowest class, which was blacks that were, um, you know, slaves. And then you had uh, what's referred to in all of the academic shit. There's no revisionism about this. This is an old-timey story. So it's something that would sound weird in, like, a normal American nomenclature. But mulattoes, which is just means you're mixed. Um, and you- I was told that that was the current term until way too late in life. Yeah, I mean, it's... Who told you that? My mother. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Her on blast. Probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway. Have you ever had a Moolatte, that uh, <laughs> the coffee brand? Is that what they're they're doing with that title? That's fucked up. I guess so. Yeah, the, <laughs> the latte is mixed. <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, so, yeah, so you've got, like, this mixed class, and then um, you've also got whites and then within like whites you have uh the big 
whites and the small whites, Petty Blanc and uh, Grand Blanc in French. And, you know, within blacks, you little and big. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the conservative, you know, nobles and stuff like that. And then like the Petty Bourgeois whites and Petit Blanc, Grand Blanc. Well, I just want a coffee. <laughs> yeah, and he's I wearing just want that... a latte. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing that jacket the whole time that Dennis Leary wears. Um, this is all you know, terribly complicated. And uh, yeah, if you want to read through the 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 history, it's important to go through the play by play, knowing all the various dynamics that happen between like enslaved blacks and free blacks and uh you know free mulattoes and people that are born free and all sorts of stuff um but i'm not going to go into it so i don't have the time and it's not the point um this episode is about voodoo (laughs) it is about voodoo and i'll tell you what it's not about hoodoo which is also a religion that came out of africa very similar to voodoo but went on a different track because what happened with voodoo is voodoo syncretized with uh catholicism and i think if i'm reading about hoodoo correctly and please please correct me if there are any hoodoo practicing listeners listening to the show angry that i am uh completely fucking up your religion and insulting your hoodoo gods um hoodoo sort of uh went along with protestantism protestantism and syncretized into that and so it's there's a lot of it in america uh and it's like a lot of it is weird midwestern and southern folklore because um it just it like it's syncretized into um yeah like the new testament and stuff like that and so there's various like more overt G- Christ figures and stuff like that going on in it. And there's also, but there's also like a, <laughs> there's a thing called a boo hag, which you need to look out for, which is just like a, 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 a witch myth, <laughs> which is just funny, but it's, it's um a boo hag is like similar to like a bag lady or something like that. And apparently like still in like South Carolina, you'll find people that'll say like, um be- because, the boo hag, what she does is she sucks your breath out of your mouth while you're sleeping. She's mm. if you've ever so heard she gives some really strong strange. Yeah, well <laughs> Absolutely, Anders. <laughs> That's the strangest the strangest strange there is as a boo hag. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you've ever heard about that like sleep paralysis <laughs> thing where everyone has the same hallucination, which is that it's like a someone standing on your chest. Like uh, people think it's connected to that, but like, yeah, no one really knows. But it's it's kind of all mixed ever and it's all the same thing. But it's called riding, which is what they do, is they, they ride on people while they're sleeping and suck their breath out of them. So an expression sometimes used in South Carolina is don't let the hag ride you, which comes oh, no. from boo hag. <laughs> which is a lot of fun um but we are not talking about hoodoo so forget everything you know about hoodoo this is a voodoo podcast um there's there's a lot of similarities a lot of weird candles and shit but voodoo where do the candles come in i think a lot of that is catholicism 
but oh yeah we do love our candles don't we folks (laughs) yeah i mean it's it stuff gets mixed like both ways like someone like like yeah like mines give you the serpent lady but then like they also take the candles and they turn it into like instead of a candle with a saint on it like like in texas where i'm from you can go to this place called fiesta that's like a just a mexican supermarket and uh you can buy fucking candles for this shit and they're great because like some of them are it'll be, it'll be green it just has a bunch of dollar signs on it and it's like you know like this to try to make money or whatever and All uh right. you can also get one that keeps the cops away it's blue and yellow and has like a fucking <laughs> like instead of where the saint would be it's a picture of a cop with a flashlight and you're like ah put it in the window keep away um so uh, the Haitian Re- Revolution kind of plays out over the same timeline as the French Revolution, and so it's really interesting to read about alongside the French Revolution because all these things are happening that like the people in Haiti don't even understand because there's not good communication and it changes all the crazy dynamics and stuff. Um, but early, early in the mid 1700s, there's initially a conflict between the slave owners and Maroons who are. Um, blacks that had escaped slavery and sort of like lived in the wilderness and were becoming marauders and like sort of organizing to fight against the slave owners. These are the people, if you remember the John Brown episode we did, he was really into studying maroons because he was trying to figure out a plan. And he was, since he was in, you know, like the Appalachian mountains in America, he was, it was very similar to the landscape of Haiti, which is very mountainous. So he saw some kind of, divine message in that or whatever um there was this famous maroon called francois macandal who used poison to kill slave owners and caused all sorts of like hysteria where everyone thought that poison was everywhere and they were losing their fucking mind he also was really intimidating and cool he lost his arm in like a sugar roller and uh oh yeah sugar plantations very dangerous yeah it's uh it's fucked up how you get your wheaties so sweet you know <laughs> um it's all like melted human skin they put the uh somebody falls in the sugar melter they go just keep keep making the sugar our wheaties that's have what to the have frosted that little that's what the frosted, i'm talking about the frosted, the frosted end of it the frosted mini wheat, yeah, that's the frosted. Oh, that's mini-wheat. true. Wheaties have no sugar, and right. so they have been in- innocent of this entire affair. But mini wheats, not the same. Oh, I was thinking of frosted flakes with the tiger. Oh my fuck! <laughs> Can we get a one page about what cereal we're doing? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I mean, it's it is hard to figure out which sugar, which uh, cereal has sugar in it, and which doesn't. Grown men boiled alive. Yeah. That's why the tiger is the mascot, because he eats the guy's arm after it comes out, and it's covered in candy. What else are you going to do with it? You feed what it to Tony the tiger. To tiger. Tony the Tiger, who's wearing his little red bandana like he's from the year 2020. He knows. What does he know? Or is he just uh, gay in, in the Castro district and is trying to signal? <laughs> is Tony the Tiger gay? That will be another episode we're doing. <laughs> so uh, yeah why do you think so whatever he wants to be it's fine he's it's, kind it's of a, a furry. vibe he's a furry for sure because he's oh so you oh, think it's a, a guy well maybe it are you saying it's not even a tiger it's a guy in a tiger suit oh 
No, I think that he's like, because a fursona is like exists in your mind. If I understand this correctly, we're way out of yeah. our depth here. If you're a furry and you're angry at me already in the podcast, listen to me and explain to me whether or not Tony T- Tony the Tiger is or is not a furry or a man or a tiger or all three. This is a tough episode for hoodoo furries. Mm-hmm. One person is furious at us already, <laughs> and they are writing a lengthy "Why I'm unsubscribing from your Patreon." Now I want a voodoo donut with uh, frosted flakes on it. Oh yeah, it would be so offensive. This is called the strange. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called the new pussy. All right, so <laughs> Makan Dahl, um. You know, hides in the mountains. He raids every once in a while, and they say that he just gave these incredible, like, like black magic sermons in the woods with fire and you know sacrificing animals and all sorts of crazy shit. And he eventually he became such a menace and scared the shit out of everyone so much that they organized. They went out into the woods and they caught him. And burned him at the stake in the middle of Port-au-Prince, which is the capital of uh, you know what's called Saint-Domingue at this time. And the local like legend about him, and like by the way, uh, all this I'm going to be talking about legends and shit a lot. A bunch of this shit probably didn't happen or isn't provable. That's not the point. The point is like what is the mythology, you know, how does that function? Um, so I don't know, just keep that in mind. But the, the folk legend around him, some people said that he sprouted wings and just turned into like the demon from fucking, uh, midnight mass or whatever. and flew away and it was like terrifying. Um, but what the legend is to a lot, according to a lot of people is that he turned into a mosquito and he flew away like threatening, to come back and wreak his vengeance on the French. Oh my God. But that's what happens. Right. Because so many French are ultimately killed off during the French revolution by yellow fever. The myth works really well. Cause it's like, he came back with a fucking yellow fever (laughs) and put his little mosquito mouth onto Rochambeau's neck and pumped it into him and killed him and gave him diarrhea and shit. Um, Macandal is cool. He's on the fucking 30 gourd coin, or at least he was up until 1968. I'm not sure what's up with the money there right now. Oh, the good days. Yeah. Um, 1791, there's another guy, a free black man named Romain Riviere, participated in a slave uprising that happened around that time. Uh, that involved a lot of burning plantations down, setting slave masters on fire and stuff. This person was really cool because he was, uh, like where you said, like a mixture of a few different religions. He wasn't even that heavily Catholic. I think he was, uh, into, um, New Testament. Well, no, the Virgin Mary is, I'm, I'm out of my depth here, but, uh, he was really into the Virgin Mary and he was actually born free and was a, like a, pretty well off mulatto so it's odd that he took up the cause so hard but um you know not that odd i guess but he didn't have to well a lot of people in that class were it you do the thing where you pull the ladder up behind you like i'm out i'm yeah. above them we don't need to do anything for these people well, that's kind of the basis of the entire like ongoing tension between blacks and mulattoes like after they get rid of the french is there's this thing where you if you're black you're looking at 
the you know the the mixed people and going, what the fuck was all that shit where you were working with the French <laughs> like this whole time, you asshole, you know? So it is kind of odd historically that he was an abolitionist. Um, but he like was countrywide curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Riviere uh, sort of went through this thing where because they were also mixing the voodoo with the Christianity, um, they eventually d- renamed themselves Romaine La Prophetess and took on feminine pronouns and proclaimed themselves to be the reincarnation of the Virgin Mary. And while this whole like uprising was going on, they were burning shit down and then like going around giving these fiery sermons while holding a fucking saber and an upside down crucifix and like claiming stuff like, you know, slavery is evil. It's in the Bible and uh, claiming God to be black and all sorts of cool shit like that. It's fucking cool. Um, and there's a few other. Cool. It doesn't really sound much like the Virgin Mary from that <laughs> description, but yeah, you know, maybe there's more to it. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely doesn't sound like a virgin. You know what I'm saying? They were all pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the French Revolution is long and complex. Uh, there's some main points I should guess I should point out as we're getting through this. Toussaint Louverture. That's the guy that John Brown idolized. He's pretty much agreed upon to be the hero of the French Revolution. Um, he's, he's born illiterate black man, sort of becomes like the Napoleon of the entire ongoing thing. And, uh, you know, does all sorts of insane genius, um, you know, what do you call it? I almost said Warcraft, the craft of war. He's, good, he's a good general. Strategical maneuvers. There you go. He's the guy who ends up on top, and he wants That'll to be play. an emperor to fight Napoleon at the end of it. Yeah, and eventually he gets got, and he's exiled and dies in France. But, um, you know, he's pretty cool figure if you're reading the entire story. Um, you know, like one of those people in Game of Thrones that doesn't make it to the end. Um, and then he had two generals that sort of uh, what do you call it? They came after him. Um, one is named Jean-Jacques Dessalines. The other guy, fuck, what is his name? I don't have that off the top of my head. But they sort of like they they embodied these. And the other guy, <laughs> they embodied these two. I fucking can't remember his name. I forgot to write it down. But the, Jean-Jacques Dessalines is like the more important one because he goes on to become the first leader of Haiti. But he, um, Jean-Jacques Dessalines was like this hard ass who was, you know, really incredible in battle and a really tough guy and was from lower class and was black. The other guy, I remember, I wish I'd written his name down because he's really funny because he's mixed and he's, uh, like, works in restaurants. (laughs) But he becomes this, like, (laughs) great general because he's just working in these, like, restaurants and then he just just translates that into war. So he becomes this, like... Sort of like a, you know, a bo- like today a- we're serving up some pain. <laughs> yeah. He says, "Well, he's like a bougie guy, but so he's so you got these two guys. Like one guy's like this bloodthirsty fucking, you know, maniac. Like like you know, um, like a like uh, I keep going back to Game of Thrones. Like like the Mountain or something, or the Hound. And then you've got this other guy who's like um, Vega from Street Fighter or something. He's like a fancy guy. <laughs> so." <laughs> Anyway, this whole thing plays out. It's long and complex, like I said. Jean-Jacques Dessalines ends up um, finally after 
fucking i mean at one point he's fighting for the french because there's all these different moving parts and the question of the french revolution near the end if you're on the side of haiti is trying to figure out who is trying to impose slavery back on uh people after l'ouverture is kind of like freed people and stuff um and you're in this precarious situation where it's like we're not quite to freedom like there's still like this weird agrarian economy going on but you know if you like he was fighting for the french because the french were trying to convince him i think that the british were like no they're trying to bring back slavery and then the british were doing the same thing to the french but it turns out um especially as the french revolution was sort of going on and on and on and all you know all these ideas were coming out from the declaration of the rights of man and all this stuff and all this like um enlightenment thought uh for a while, it seemed like that shit might leak down there and there might be an extension of it to this situation with obvious outcomes. But Right, that sweet window where they freed all the slaves before they were like, oh, right, for money, and then they re-enslaved all the slaves? Basically, and it, when the, the end of the French Revolution, if you know how it sort of plays out, there's like this fucking crazy conservative swing back in the other direction for a while. And there's actually like... There's actually like French Proud Boys kind of for a while. Um, I fucking forgot what they're called, but they're so funny. There's like these like conservative. Is that proud. them? Uh, no, no, no that's, that's that's just means like an army air guard or whatever. But there's um, there were these guys after they fucking killed Robespierre and stuff like that who like would uh carry canes and they were just like beat. They looked like the guy on the Johnny Walker bottle and they would just beat people in the street if they thought they were like too left wing or whatever and shit. And so. You know, all these right wing people start to take back um, positions in government and they sent them, they sent a few of these people like Rochambeau down to continue this ongoing uh, situation. And like they got more and more racist. And I mean, they did all sorts of weird, horrible torture and shit like that. I think we mentioned at one point, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show, there's like this guy who, like, this French guy who, uh, He's having a dinner party and he brings these three black women down to the basement. And he's like, these are your boyfriends. And it's just three caskets with like human skulls on top of them and shit. All sorts of wild shit happening. French people getting killed by um, yellow fever the whole time. Uh, but, but, but what happens is there's one French general. I forgot who. But basically what he does is he goes to one of the islands like off the coast of Hispaniola and just reinstates slavery because he thinks, well, like, well, it's an island. No one will fucking know. Uh, there's no anything goes on an island. <laughs> yeah, Miss Voodoo rules down here, Mister Epstein. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but somebody does escape. It doesn't fucking go off, and then basically, word spreads like wildfire through the Haitian black black and a lot of population. Like they're doing it. They the whole thing we've been talking about the whole time. It's happening. So Dessaline fucking defects back from the French. And wages this really heroic war and they fucking fight the French out, right? It's fucking cool. But the experience like that will drive you insane. So near the end of Dessaline's, like when he's won, he writes, first thing he does is write this crazy declaration of independence, which just, it's funny because it does not sound like our declaration of independence, like at all. It sounds like like slayer lyrics or something it's fucking tight um i'll read a line from it a little bit 
instead of these dear victims, your alarmed gaze will only see their assassins. These tigers still dripping with blood, whose terrible presence indicts your lack of feeling and your guilty slowness in avenging them. What are you waiting for before appeasing their spirits? Remember that you had wanted your remains to rest next to those of your fathers. After you've defeated tyranny, you will descend into their tombs without having avenged them? No, their bones will reject yours! Fucking tight. That's from the Declaration of Independence, though. It's weird that he put it in there. Yeah, we're going to be a Halloween country. (laughs) (laughs) It's like skeletons all everywhere, and we're frightening all the time. I mean, on top of yelling about tigers and, like, blood and shit, he's also just, like, having a conversation between two people. He's doing voices, you know? Like, you say this? No! Their bones scream back! Like, it's fucking crazy. Um, Dessaline, uh, eventually, what kind of goes on with him is that he, like, he's so freaked out kind of understandably by all this that as he's as he's taking leadership of the country and going around he's going to people and just going like if you have white people you have to send them to me and i'm gonna kill them um and people are kind of scared because you know it's an entire country so there are white people that are just hanging out that are friends with black people and stuff and so like he'll do stuff like say he'll come up to your you know your village and go actually what i'm doing today is um you know, like a amnesty. So just bring all the white people out and then we're just going to let them go home. And then he just fucking cuts all their heads off and shit. And, uh, you lied. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. He's on this war path that pisses off a lot of people. And so eventually he is hacked to death by his own people and then begins the country of Haiti, which he officially brings back. It's like original name. Uh, so it's no longer Sandoming or whatever. Um, from there, you have like the sort of split governments of Henri Christophe and this guy Alexander Petion. Alexander Petion is leading uh, Eastern Haiti like um, like a republic. This guy Henri Christophe just straight up f- forms himself into an em- emperor. Um, he builds a castle, which is oh. kind of a crazy thing to do at this point in this story. And Throwback. There's like there's just still like cannonballs laying around it and shit. It never really gets used for anything, but he also went kind of mad with power and would like go up onto the roof and then with soldiers and then just like order them to march over the edge of it and die to prove that they liked him or whatever. Do you like me? <laughs> Would you fall off my castle? <laughs> um, eventually, you have this uh, President Boyer. He um, gets into the situation with France where there's this ongoing thing with regarding like Haiti and the rest of the world at this point where like so many people, because all these like Napoleonic wars and stuff are going on, just assume that, oh, yeah, there was this like slave uprising and they overthrew you know the french but like someone will come and take it over like this is you know everyone's racist and everyone's just like yeah this isn't gonna end this way so like whatever so like the united states doesn't even um observe haiti's 
state status as a republic, which is crazy because the United States' whole fucking deal is that they had a revolution, you know, of sorts. Right, they're a colony with a revolution. But the 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 thing that is unbelievable is like a slave uprising successfully throwing off imperialism had never happened. Yeah. So people were like, right. I'm just waiting for this to fuck up somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy. And because like, you know, you're sort of in this interesting situation economically, if you're Haiti, you know, you've, you've, oh, you've thrown all these people off of you, but the process of all this has wrecked all like the infrastructure. So like at the beginning of all this, when France was, you know, really into ruling Haiti, there was all these like coffee and sugar and indigo and stuff like that coming out of it. That was like very, um, you know, profitable, but now the infrastructure to, to, to create a lot of that stuff has been wrecked. I mean, frankly, you know, if you get rid of slavery, you're going to make less stuff because that's the whole fucking point, right? Is to stop being forced into overdrive as a worker. Um, and Plus, you need the the supply networks to trade all that stuff, which and, France has, and you're an upstart nation, so you have to build. And they're pissed off at you, so they're doing all these like fucking sanctions and stuff like that. And so the economy crashes real hard. And um, the story of Haiti, the most important thing about the country that is still relevant in terms of you know stuff going on today. And just anytime anyone tries to make an argument where you you have like Trump with, oh, they're a shithole country and all this sort of stuff is, uh, you know, where, well, all of this is an ongoing timeline. Like, how did this happen? Is it, did America and Haiti start at the same time and every, it's a race and then everyone went, oh, I went faster because I'm stronger. No, like what <laughs> happened is um, France eventually agreed to stop like trying to take over Haiti again and stop fucking with them and then like allow trade and stuff like that. But under the pretense that there would be this like debt, like they imposed this like 22 million franc debt. It's an astronomical number, which doesn't make any sense. It's also like debt for what? For freeing yourself. Like you do no fuck you. The whole thing we fought over was, you know, that's I'm people are not property or whatever, but that's literally like what they were. Uh, and putting- they're still paying that back, right? Um, I think that they're not paying it back in its original form okay. because not literally the set, but let's been sort of transmogrified into another uh, debt for another reason, right? It sort of gets transmogrified because what happens later is the United States comes in, takes over the debt, and then you know isn't there's no free lunch, right? It comes with all these other things that now yeah. the United States wants a strategic position in in. Uh, we'll get that in just a second here. So, um. Yeah, all that shit happens. Um, and then, like, it would be insane to try to go through all of the, the you know, presidents and figureheads kind of in the middle section here because, like, everyone is either cooed or assassinated. It's just normal. Like, it, there's, like, a joke about, like, you know, when you just get shipped off to, um, I think, Jamaica is where everyone goes to exile. But uh, there's like only one president in this entire stretch that finishes his term. And it's like no one can believe it. It's like a, not a normal thing or whatever. Right. So it is finished. It's, yeah, that's what he says at the end. Um, and this happens partially because of military coups um, and also partially because these things called piquettes and cacos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's a French words. But um, this is basically 
populist uprisings and militias and stuff like that that are coming from like the peasantry. So you've got this kind of ongoing thing between especially kind of along racial lines, the mulatto elites and then like, uh, you know, the, the peasantry who's black and who's coming from, uh, you know, a, a further left just situation here in regards to like land reform and stuff like that and um, is organized for reasons that are in, in opposition to obviously the like, class rulers. Right. So after the civil war happens in the United States, uh, the United States decides to recognize Haiti because the big problem was like, I guess Southern States had most of the, <laughs> the the what do you call it um most of a problem with with recognizing haiti as a st- whatever. oh yeah um eventually so the united states is operating under the monroe doctrine which the initially was sort of like a isolationist thing staying outside of all this stuff um but the other thing that's happening which we've talked about recently on the show is in the early 1900s, the Panama Canal is being constructed, and mm-hmm. there's all these Germans now that are trading in Haiti. So one of the things that happened when they formed, when Dessalines like declared that you're a tiger and all this crazy shit and formed the initial Haiti government, is what's written into the Declaration of Independence is, um, or the first Constitution or whatever, is uh, that no one who's white can own land in Haiti, but enough time has passed to where these Germans who are coming in and trading and making a lot of money are figuring out like, Oh, you can marry and marry, take a black wife or whatever, and still sort of be able to capitalize on, you know, all this shit that you can take back out of Haiti now or whatever. So Germans will convince you they're not white because they're so tricky. They'll come in (laughs) and they'll just be like, yeah, it's it's different in in the east. <laughs> yeah, which it's is weird because chocolate they, mode. They made the biggest deal out of being white shortly after this. But what I guess, is color if you think about it? <laughs> um, Haiti eventually, because of this German thing, becomes a strategic target to the U.S. Right, and so you know the United States fucking doctrines are all bullshit and. All you need to do is find an incentive to go against something like the Monroe Doctrine, and then we just rationalize it afterwards, right? So the United States under Woodrow Wilson in 1915, who, you know, did all sorts of racist shit, um, just decides uh, on the pretense that there is so much, like, unrest in Haiti with people being cooed and, you know, the the, the piquettes and the, the cacos and all that shit. Um, the United States has got to come in and it's largely agreed that the reason for that being is that, um, strategic, uh, acquisition, right? Because of the trade stuff. So the U S is basically just brings in Marines and, you know, it's a sham government. Like they have elections, but in the elections you go to vote and there's only one piece of paper it'll say like oh put a black piece of paper in the box if you you want to vote for this guy and put a white piece of paper in if you want to vote for the other guy but you only get a black piece of paper and what they tell you is if you want a white piece of paper just go ask that marine over there and he's got a fucking gun and so like no one asks the marine right because 
the implication. I'm blown away by the paper color voting system. <laughs> That's so much harder than like checking something off with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real stupid. Uh, where are you going to get? Requires so many more pieces of paper for one. <laughs> Less pencils, though. Less huh? pencils. True. If there was a crucial pencil shortage, this would be the one you'd have to do. You are going to need a lot of scissors for this, I would assume. That's true. Call the whole thing off. No, so... Just call the whole thing off. The, obviously, the advantage here is that it just allows the United States to you conduct sham elections, set up puppet governments. They go through a series of presidents, this guy D'Artiganoff, this guy Borno. They do all sorts of fucked up shit, like... Um, you know, they evoke something in that's still in the law from when France first started up called corvée labor, which is essentially just slavery. And they just make people build a bunch of railroads and shit. But like the French hadn't even been practicing corvée labor for most of the time they were still there. Like it was considered, you know, after slavery kind of bullshit or whatever. It's gauche. Yeah. Um, the U.S. also doesn't like voodoo <laughs> and so they go around busting up these people called hungans hungans i'm really not sure how to pronounce this because i've seen conflicting um examples but basically your village has like a voodoo guy called a hungan and um mm. because this is such a pervasive cultural like religious thing um you know i mean he's fucking everything like he's uh He's a center figure in the community. And so they, you know, they, they try to, I don't know what they do to these guys. They just try to get them to stop hungoing or whatever. Um, they Cut also, it out. they also bust up strikes. Um, and eventually this all sort of culminates with this guy. Uh, I think this is Setian Vincent. That's it's either him or Lascott. I can't remember which one. There's a million fucking leaders of Haiti. Uh, one of them eventually fucking kills a bunch of peasants with his Marines, and then there's enough up up unrest and uprising to where the United States withdraws. And this is I'm a little fuzzy on kind of why this actually happened because it seemed like that's never quite the reason. But this is a long weird story. What year was it? Oh, uh, let's see. This is 19. 30 i think because they started to um do you think it's because the entire economy crashed probably there's the projected date the united states is gonna leave like 1936 and we never actually get to it because things get so bad and people are protesting so much that um that the, everyone just pulls out so could be stuff back home i don't know not really sure Complicated story. A little Afghanistan situation. Totally like that. There's people that are like, pulling out. Fuck you. I'm not taking my polio vaccine. Actually, that's probably happening because, yeah, I think Teddy Roosevelt, or no, FDR went to visit during the occupation, I think. And he's like the first U.S. president. Didn't have his vaccine for polio. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He was anti-vax. Yeah, he was eating um, horse ivermectin from the turn of the century. Now watch me gallop around the White House lawn. <laughs> Thanks, Ivermectin. Yeah. It's a horse paste. You can eat it right out like an abazabo. So Leaves me fit as a horse and fit as a president. Ooh, I like that. That's what Trump should run on. 
Um, he should change his accent. <laughs> yeah. He's just in black and white now, and he's like a cuphead guy. Um, My opponent is a loser, and it's sad. So <laughs> this all lays the groundwork. We're an hour in here. We're finally getting to him, but uh, this won't take too long. So it's important to map out how we got here because I think that's the lesson, right, of all this is uh, what sort of social contradictions and class dynamics and stuff led into this. Uh, at this point, with the United States leaving and after having experienced all of the bullshit the United States does to the economy with gutting it and setting up, like like I said, like the, the other thing is, yeah, they took over the debt, but like at what cost, right? They took over all the banks too and all, all of these fucking industries that were supposed to be nationalized. Um, and basically, you now have a very reactionary subculture of black nationalist intellectuals who have seen enough shit, don't trust anyone, <clears throat> hate mulattoes, hate the United States, and are reading fucking theory that's going around at the time, right? And mm -hmm. um, the movement is called Negritude. I sounds crazy. It's a real thing. It's a different time. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the new Dave Chappelle special. That's uh, <laughs> from the 1940s. It will be the next one. <laughs> um, but he, so this uh, organization called the um, movement, it's in French, movement something something, the MOP forums, which is like a right wing anti-communist black nationalist organization nicknamed the steamroller because we're gonna go in and roll over everybody or whatever we're gonna make everything flat so everyone's equal and then we're gonna mess it up again so nobody's equal because that's what we're against we're the steamroller yeah <laughs> it's like around the time that all of the fascist movements are kind of taking off in the world and they're all like the iron hammer and i'm the stapler because we already got all the good tools used or whatever so they're the steamroller so um this guy is born during all during well he, papa doc francois duvalier is his real name was born shortly before the united states ever showed up so he's growing up through all this he's seen a couple people be overthrown he's seen the united states occupation he becomes a doctor he goes to Michigan University in the United States to learn medicine and then comes back to Haiti to fight against yellow, uh, I think tuberculosis and yaws. Yaws is this huge thing that's, uh, I don't really quite understand what it is, but people with it seem like they had the stone disease from Game of Thrones. It's like, oh, uh, it turns you into a, a stone essence or a. Is it an essence? What, is what it is an yaws? essence, Jake? <laughs> what do you mean, is it an essence? Well, is it like a, you know, a. A vibe that you possess? What, what, what is it? <laughs> I, I don't understand what it is. I'm sorry. Okay, a, I, I looked it up. Yaws is a chronic skin infection characterized by papillomas and ulcers. So people are just covered in like ulcers and shit. Interesting. So it's not a vibe. <laughs> it's a birth okay. control it's a bad. Pill. It's a bad vibe. I'm seeing. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also um, how a Mexican dude says Jaws. Do you want to, <laughs> yeah. Do you, want, do you want to go see Jaws, man? Okay, so 
the journal oh, he works for um or he he writes in a journal that's ideological to this stuff called les griots which is like uh griot is like a like a bard in african folklore okay he reads marx he hates marx he becomes a black supremacist and he also loves voodoo so okay he uh francois duvalier becomes known as papa doc during this time when he's a doctor though and he's like he's a doctor everyone likes him he's curing this disease that's killing people all over the country pretty cool guy right i love him <laughs> um so he eventually works his way into politics after that last president lescott um they have an assembly election so they still don't have like proper elections they have like assembly elections at this point and you know various interim governments and like siege governments and stuff to just keep things kind of floating until we get to wherever the fuck we're going and everything's always in flux um and so there's this guy Calithe, i think is how you pronounce it it's with with an x in it he's a hardcore anti-communist he the papa doc backs him you know he thinks he hopes he's gonna win but he doesn't instead he i love the x in his name (laughs) i know don't Calixte. come on well actually don't come on he's horrible so Come on. <laughs> he loses t- to this guy named Estime, who's black and who is um, like a moderate. He's a double threat. Kind of in the middle of the two things that are happening at the time, which are <clears throat> far right wing fascist shit. And there's communism going on and here communist thought, at least in like trade unions and stuff like that. So Estime is like a weird middle of the road pod save Haiti guy. And what he does is he includes some communists in his cabinet, but he also hires like Duvalier who's in the steamroller and shit. And he's like, going to bring everyone together. You know, um, <laughs> it's one of those guys, but I bet that works out really well, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. That's why Haiti is doing so well today. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, this is like really just immediately one of those two things wins out ideologically and power wise. And um, he has to ban communism and um, his presidency doesn't last long. It's followed by this guy, Maglawar, who is first directly elected president um or he's the first directly elected president. Uh, but I don't think they even had like, like, you know, I think it was still, you have to be a man to vote and all this crazy shit. Right. So better, not all the way there. Um, he swings back in the conservative direction. And when this happens, Duvalier thinks that like something's going down. Like he thinks because he was openly kind of a fascist or like, in the MOP and he was in the government. He wasn't hiding because he just thinks he's going to get assassinated. He doesn't. He's fine. Um, the yeah, presidency nice. of Magloar is like this fancy veneer where they fucking invite. This isn't like the, we're getting into the fifties now. He has like Nixon come and hang out. He goes to the, the go, United go States. 50s. Um, you know, but the economy is failing and 
he does what every every patient leader has done to this point, which is why a lot of them keep getting cooed. Like there's a good reason a lot of these presidents get cooed is they all try to establish an indefinite presidency as soon as they're elected. Ah. Um, not all of them, but a lot of ah. them. Just such a weird like your life after you are the head of state is basically a permanent vacation, you know, unless you're Thomas Jefferson and goes into debt. But everybody else. Like is swimming in it. Why not just? Why not just chill? I never get that. It's crazy because half the people in the story end up dying in like an apartment in like New York or something like that. And it's like you could probably just hung out. The one yeah. guy who finished his uh, term is probably fine. I think maybe not. I don't know. Um. So we're getting into the fifties though, and so like when he does this, when he announces that he's president for life there's strikes there's protests and now there's bombs this is like a new thing and um or at least in haiti it is i guess um there's this far-right guy that papa doc supported called fignolet from the steamroller who has the brief interim presidency after they oust magloire and then they hold re-elections and you finally got like an actual kind of almost election going on there's like three people involved in it it's closer to looking somewhat like democracy and uh it's between this guy de this person jumel and then duvalier he comes back and he's like all right i'm gonna run and it's really kind of conspicuous and mysterious why he's able to campaign so much because there's like military crackdown on campaigning for some reason but not with papa doc um and so something's going on behind the scenes where he's he's a military guy, you know, um, and he's elected in a huge landslide, beats the other two guys by pretty big numbers, not huge, but big enough on September 22nd. And then he's inaugurated on October 22nd. And I'm not sure if it's because of this. Or if you already was, and then this further cat- catalyzes it, but he becomes obsessed with the number 22 after this. <laughs> and he just starts putting 22 into everything. Everything he does is on the 22nd day of the month. Like everything that like he wants. Taylor Swift song? Yeah. <laughs> and he sort of, um, you know, starts off kind of chill and then immediately like a couple months into his presidency which everyone by the way is like the papa the doctor like oh cool this guy's gonna be like chill for once you know Um, i want to sit on his lap (laughs) yeah like they all liked him because of the yaws stuff he unleashes these guys who he had been sort of like collecting who were like he's been going around forming a gang of like beggars like poor black guys from like cities and stuff from these like you know slums called the cagulards and he has them bust up strikers and like one of his opponents sort of does this thing where they organize like this uh form of a strike like this kind of bougie form of a strike jumel where they're going to shut down all of these shops and not do business you know for the like like the owners are going to shut them down and so he just sets the fucking Kagu Lords on them and kills a fuck ton of people. And 
He also like Papa. Yeah, and everyone's like, Papa, no, what the fuck are you doing? He's just insane. And he steals a bunch of weapons from the army. Now, this people say is why all of this worked. Because everyone got cooed up until him, but you get cooed by the army. So like it doesn't matter you win politically an election. If somebody, if the army doesn't fucking want this shit to be happening, like they're the, you go tap them on the shoulder and they're like, all right, I'll, they're like the bouncer. You know what I mean? Like they're coming in, like, all right, I'll fucking take care of it. And, um, this is still kind of a big idea and like ML shit, honestly, is like, you know, this is the missing ingredient. Everyone says, how would you do a coup now? And it's right. like, you gotta fucking get the army going. Um, so, but what he does is he immediately just goes to the armory and he steals all the weapons and he puts them in the basement of the fucking presidential palace. So now he just has this like golden key to the palace. Can we just talk about how that is such a Papa move is to <laughs> take your phone and put it in his drawer? Yeah. Oh my God. Papa. <laughs> Papa, that's my gun. <laughs> yeah. He... Uh, fucking scares away his opponents, intimidates them. He cancels the May Day of that year, very symbolically telling you what's coming, and he effectively kills all the unions by 1960. Um, and this is where shit gets fucking crazy. This is why the whole point of this story is kind of leading up to this. This is my favorite part. He replaces military power because he's now he's like alienated the military, you know. And he realizes he needs to, like, not rely on a military that he's in a dynamic, like, conflict with, right? So he creates this fucking gang called the Tauntaun Makuts. Tauntaun Makut in Creole is the name of, like, a boogeyman called Uncle Gunnysack. And Uncle Gunnysack. The reason they're called the Tauntaun Makuts is because they used to, they were the Kagu Lords, the people he was using. Uh, but as they sort of become a thing and he gets uniforms for them and stuff, they become so terrifying that, like, people call them the Tauntaun Makut because it's like they're coming to get you, you know, because the legend of Tauntaun Makut is that he puts you in his sack and then he eats you for breakfast the next day. And he's a terrifying oh, no. fucking whatever, you know, folkloric well, demon. So what the Tauntauns from sack? Star Wars are named after? I fucking hope not. Empire State Strikes Back. I they would... share very little in common with the Tauntaun Magoot. All right. Yeah, no bag. Yeah, where's their bag, honey? <laughs> um, Anders rolling his goddamn eyes. No, I was trying to think of where the bag eyes. is. I was trying to think. I think they. Oh, I was looking the around for the bag. It's <laughs> not over there. So. Tauntaun Makuts are now a thing. They're a militia. They're a gang. They're a cult. They're fucking everything. Because they also have, like, the voodoo going on, too. Uh, because a big, like, kind of motivator. And the reason he won the election, uh, arguably at least, is because people were, like, the peasantry were resentful, resentful of the mulatto elite. And there's sort of a forming black middle class that is also, you know, mad, like resentful of the elite. And part of what's been happening with all of these people that operate at the top of society as the go-betweens between like the United States or the French or the fucking Pope or all these white people coming from other countries is that they keep pushing down stuff like voodoo, which is like 
a black religion. Like he's like he talks about it a lot. It's like this is this is something you is not. It's a hundred percent ours and not theirs or whatever. And you know, it, there's a growing resentment towards all this imposed culture and stuff like that. And so he like cranks up the voodoo like while he's running and shit. But it's like you know, it's cute. Like people like it. It's like folklore shit or whatever. And he wears like a top hat and stuff like this. And he um he now has like this gang, the Tantan Bakuts, that are like um when you go to a village and there's a hungun who's the like the voodoo priest, he's also a Tantan Bakut now. So it's both. So he's like, now I've got this network to c- communicate, you know, throughout the entire island with, and uh, we've taken over this cultural thing that is the fucking framework of our entire way of life, right? Um, and people, you know, that th- they liked it at first before he started going crazy and killing everyone because it was like, yeah, he was taking it back and get and instead of being somebody who's like inviting in, like, oh, you know, people who want to convert us to fucking Catholicism or whatever. Um, but then it all just goes insane. We all liked the boogeyman, but then we saw his gunny sack. <laughs> <laughs> so the Tauntaun Makuts sort of um form up. Their head is this guy named Clement Barbeau. And Clement Barbeau is such a great assassin that they call him the muffler, because he's quiet, you know? <laughs> oh, like the car's muffler. Yeah. Um, there's another one named Luckner Cambrone who Luckner Cambrone's thing is that he immediately started up this scam where he sold Haitian blood to the United States. So he just marked it up like he, you know, paid people very little for their blood and then sold it to, to as a higher price to us medicine. So they called him the vampire of the Caribbean. Because of all the blood, and also they kind of think he might have exacerbated the AIDS crisis later on by doing this. Yikes! <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Happy Halloween, folks. <laughs> there's also this guy named Francois, Francois Benoit, who's just like a really good marksman. Um, and there's a couple other these people in this like motley crew. I mean, there's like a woman um, named fucking Madame Max, whose thing is she tortures people and like mutilates their genitals and shit. <laughs> and, like they're fucking terrifying. They're like driving spikes through people's like ball sacks and shit in these basements while they're torturing them. That what the hell? That's in the movie Serpent and the Rainbow. If you ever watch, which takes place during all this, uh, to near the end. Wes Craven made a really great movie, actually, that um, takes place during Baby Doc, the son, and near the end of it, actually. And it's about the United States trying to plunder, like, uh, fucking pharmaceuticals and stuff. But it's also a Wes Craven horror movie. It's really good. Um, Let's see. 1958. U.S. mercenaries uh, and some former officers consisting of uh, – I wrote that wrong. So some U.S. mercenaries and some former Haitian military officers try to overthrow Papa Doc. And this is the first time anyone's really taken a stab at him. Uh, they do this by riding a boat to the island, getting into a jeep. The jeep breaks down and they have to get on this thing called a tap tap, which is like the buses that go between villages. It's how everyone gets around. And through all of this word gets back to Papa doc that someone's going to try to overthrow him. And he immediately runs to like 
get the fuck out, like starts figuring out how to exile himself to um, like Puerto Rico. I can't remember which island. But he's like halfway out the door and then they show – because he doesn't know how many there are. He thinks like, oh, it's finally happening. Like they're just going to come raid down on me or whatever. And and then he figures out when one of them goes out for cigarettes that it's only eight people and he massacres the shit out of them. So he was like immediately like, okay, jigs up. And then he's like surprised. Like, oh, I did it. I overthrew the you know the, the coup attempt or whatever. And oh no, imposter syndrome is ravaging Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. Now he's very confident in himself. So in 1959, though, he has a fucking heart attack. And he has this heart attack. And something important to note about this is you might be wondering, like, what's going on with the United States at this point? There's this like, rising somebody we would call a dictator, you know? And the thing is, he's still fine with them because – how do I explain this, right? So it's strategic, right? The United States for a while was – we're going to kind of occupy Haiti to get the Germans out. Well, now the Cold War is in effect and Castro is just taking over Cuba. So they have this thing with – uh with Papa Doc, or he's an anti-communist. So the United States is like, well, as long as you're an anti-communist and you continue killing Cubans, do whatever the fuck you want. We love what you're doing over there, Papa. <laughs> so or spikes, we say. He, he has a heart attack in 1959 and is treated by United States doctors from Guantanamo. Like they rush over to save his life. And when you see this story told, and, like, I watched, like, a documentary on one of those history channels, like, most evil dictators thing or whatever, where they just, you know, have this weird myopic worldview and they talk about, like, you know, people we like even sometimes as dictators like Lenin and Mao and stuff like that. And, like, he – so they – the way they explain it through the Western lens is that he – uh he just realized that he could say he's anti-communist to get more money out of them, but really he isn't. But he's like he's a fucking fascist. He's a clearly like anti-communist. He's been killing communists and like busting up unions and shit like that. And so, why would the History Channel lie to us <laughs> this way? <laughs> like, case in point, the United States saved his life rather than just letting him die. Because, uh, you know, he, the next thing that could have happened is a fucking leftist could have taken over. And that would have been, you know, against our interests in the Cold War or whatever. Right. So we save his fucking life. But then he goes into a diabetic coma. Right. And Oof. when he's in a diabetic coma, he's in it for four fucking months. And his point man, Clement Barbeau, the muffler, takes over while he's in the coma. And... Cuba attempts a coup, but uh, while he's like under, but the United States intervenes and helps the military fight off the the Marxists, the Cubans, you know, and eventually he comes out of the coma, but now he's lost his fucking mind. And this is where Papa Doc like becomes Papa Doc. He starts believing himself to be the voodoo figure Baron Samedi, 
and starts acting like Baron Samedi, like in public. From James Bond. Right. If you've ever played 007, he's a character in Goldeneye because he's in a James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. So Baron Samedi, (laughs) the thing about Baron Samedi, you got to understand, is one of the reasons that voodoo meshes so well and does not conflict with Catholicism and they let allow voodoo to, to live alongside it is that they're both monotheistic. There's like a creator God in voodoo. And then underneath him, there's these things called loas, L O a loa. Um, and they're basically like, they occupy the same realm as saints. So they syncretize real well with Catholicism and, fucking Baron Samedi, you know, he's, he's, uh, who's he syncretized with? St. Martin de Porres, whoever the fuck that is. Um, but he's also like this thing called a psychopomp. So psychopomps, psychopomp is a term in (laughs) mythology for every, it's like an archetype. Every religion, every culture kind of has one, which is the thing that guides you from the land of the living to the dead. So like the River Styx guy or the Grim Reaper, Baron Samedi rules over the graveyard and decides whether or not you like go to the land of the dead. But because Baron Samedi is from this, you know, Haitian voodoo that's like all mixed up with like piracy and rum and Catholicism and all sorts of wild shit. It's pretty cool. Like he's, <laughs> he's basically this undead guy that is known for cracking really crude jokes. This is another reason I think it's fine to joke about him. His thing is that he makes fucked up jokes. He's always drinking rum, smoking cigars he wears a fucking top hat and he's like in a bunch of video games and shit. Like you can look him up. It's he's a, <laughs> he's a zombie gambler. He's in smite. Turn of the century. He plays guy. Smite. Yeah. He's in smite. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is the head of the get day family, which is like a family of sub, you know, laws that, um, that all kind of work for him. Their leader is a guy named Papa get who is, uh, he's the first man who ever died and he's kind of like the good version of Baron Samedi. He's short, dark man with a high hat on his head. Who likes to smoke cheap cigars and eat apples. He waits at the crossroads to take souls into the afterlife. He is considered the good counterpart to Baron Samedi. If a child is dying, Papa Getty is prayed to. It is believed that he will not take a, a life before it's time and that he will protect the little ones. He has a very crass sense of humor, a divine ability to read others' minds and the ability to know everything that happens in the world of the living and the dead. Crazy. Um, <laughs> he's also in kind of a trio with another guy named Baron Criminel, who's the Baron of Criminals. And uh, there's another one named Baron Cemetery, the Baron of the Cemetery. Another one named Baron Lacroix, spelled like the seltzer. <laughs> mm. ah. Yeah. <laughs> he guards the tombstones, which are often the shapes of crosses, like Lacroix. Lacroix. Um, <laughs> Lacroix. Baron Samedi's thing. It's not Lacroix, as some people think. I don't think so. I think, especially in Haitian Patois. It's LaCroix. I think you would get your ass kicked if you said LaCroix. 
Maybe that's a yeah, different. They did rough you up, bro. Maybe that's a different Loire. Lacroix. He's the Baron of Seltzer and feeling good and no longer being an alcoholic. <laughs> he's, he's only a dollar. He's always always drinking a seltzer instead of the rum like the other guys. Um, That's a secret. <laughs> so he always so let's go back to Baron Samedi though. Um, he spends most of his time inside the invisible realm of voodoo spirits. He's a nor- notorious for his outrageous behavior, swearing uh, continuously, making filthy jokes. He's married to another powerful spirit named Maman Brigitte, uh, often chases after mortal women. He loves smoking and drinking and is rarely seen with a, without a cigar in his mouth or a glass of rum in his bony fingers. Baron Samedi can usually be found at the crossroads between the living and dead, and he wears dark glasses and a top hat. And <laughs> you have to sort of give, like, like gifts to these guys sometimes on holidays and shit like that is how it works. So sometimes he just likes that you wear black or white or purple, but also he's, uh, may simply ask for gifts of like, you would leave these out in like a graveyard. If you want to ensure that your soul makes it to the grave, uh, cigars, rum, black coffee, grilled peanuts or bread. <laughs> hmm. huh. Yeah. He loves it. <laughs> and, People will do all sorts of stuff like uh, carry grave dirt around to make various things happen in this religion. It's fucking cool. Um, he also, what's the deal? What was the last thing with him? Oh, and a lot of this. So the other thing about this is that like <laughs> the, the there are like rumors about zombies. Like the zombie mythology comes from Haiti because stuff would happen like... Uh, people would just get enslaved and then the explanation would be like, Oh, he turned me into a zombie or whatever. And the thing that that movie about is about, um, serpent in the rainbow is about this one famous case of a guy who they think the story is what they think happened to him is that he was put under with like, um, puffer fish toxin and toad venom. And it can put you to a state where like they, they'll diagnose you dead. And then the person who poisoned him like that, brought him back out of the grave after he had done that. And then it was like, everyone thinks you're dead. Now you have to farm sugar for me or whatever. Um, this sort of oh, that sucks. folklore is going around is what I'm saying. So there's, you know, there's, there's jokes and stuff. People will tell about like whether you make it to the grave or not, or you make it there safely and stuff. And he becomes this Baron Samedi is like the most popular Loire. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to make my people like me by putting on these black glasses and this top hat. <laughs> and he also changes the way he speaks because, um, Baron Samedi has plugs in his noses cause he's a corpse. So he starts talking like this, <laughs> like with this, nice. <laughs> like nasally or whatever. Um, to I'm out looking for strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and he just becomes more megalomaniacal, which is like this is one of those things historically it's impossible to suss out, you know, how much of is it is it that he has brain damage from this thing that happened to him? How much of it is that he thinks he's Baron Samedi? How much of it, as a lot of people say, he was an atheist. He's just doing this purely to propagandize because he thinks it'll make people like him, you know? Well, I hope that is not the case. 
Um, it's impossible to say. So he's, uh, but he becomes very megalomaniacal and he does things like in 1964, he gives a speech that says, I am an, I am an immaterial being. Bullets cannot hurt me. This is why he's giving like the state of the union or whatever. And starts referring to himself as the master of the crossroads, the man who sees forever, uh, the Haitian flood, flood floating. <laughs> Just like, don't even know, right? Wow. It's going to be a great year for politics. He eventually finds his opponent from the election, Jumel, who's been killed. He digs up his corpse, supposedly. This one I'm not too sure about whether it actually happened just because some of the sources on these are a little wonky but they say that he dig he dug up the corpse he chopped his head off and he took a bath with it while he was wearing his top hat <laughs> what <laughs> the hell yeah <laughs> take off your hat <laughs> it's disrespectful and because he's cultivating all of this people start to joke about how the tauntauns are zombies but like they're scary i mean you know who knows what's going on right um the 22nd of october he holds more sham elections making him president for life on the 22nd like is his favorite number um and he ref he just starts listing off the names of like the last five presidents lescott vincent magloire they all become me <laughs> francis duvalier oh all right, I found it. Um, so I'm reading from this book, Papa Doc, that I read for this. More bizarre still was the Duvalierist version of the Lord's Prayer intended for use in the country's few schools. <laughs> so they didn't even have that many schools, but he made them instead of doing the traditional Lord's Prayer, which is like our father out in heaven, yada, 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 our daily bread. It reads, our doc who art in the national palace for life. Hallowed be thy name by present and future generations. Thy will be done in Port-au-Prince as it is in the provinces. Give us this day our new Haiti and forgive not the trespasses of those anti-patriots who daily spit upon our country. So just pretty crazy. <laughs> he just, also kind of Catholic-y a little bit. Well, he just with the thing is they he's Catholicism is still happening. It's still allowed to happen, but he's like doing stuff like changing the prayers with his name in it instead of like Jesus and shit. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's ballsy. Which is why he eventually gets excommunicated from the Catholic Church, which is crazy because he like still is going to church after this. He just tells them like, fuck you. <laughs> He's just saying his own name in place of God. Yeah. Praying in church. <laughs> and, uh, the, he installs a neon sign outside of the palace that says, I am the, it's in French, but in French it translates to, I am the Haitian flag, one and indivisible. He changes the Haitian flag from, the flag had been changed in the French Revolution from red, white, and blue to cutting out the white to symbolically, you know, you get the message there when Dessaline won to uh so it was blue and red he changed it to black and red just to make it more like black nationalist and evil looking da, na, na. <laughs> it's cool to have a president who's openly like i'm evil and a zombie <laughs> it's fucking tight i mean the zombie thing is because it's weird because like i guess people are still afraid of them because they call the tauntauns them but it's also like it is like folk Loric, like people like it so he's doing it to try to make people like you like a zombie right I, i'm i'm dead 
Um, <clears throat> so he wrecks the entire country. Like everything's already been so bad to this point, and because of him and his son, it's just so much worse. It's a really tragic story. Like he just the economy is just garbage so he starts implementing things like this like this is pension scam he institutes a pension that you get all this like money back when you turn 65 and the reason he does it is because the life expectancy is 40 and no one lives to 65 um he basically reinstitutes a form of slavery by selling workers to the dominican republic to work for abysmal rates like 50 cents a day as uh sugar farmers and you kind of can't get out of it. Um, at one point, he deducted $15 from all civil servants, but in return gave them a copy of his book, Duvalier's Essential Works. So That's going to be much like getting dinner with Jay-Z, an investment that pays back <laughs> dividends at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. Because it's like his weird art of the deal, like, my way, how to, you know, self-actualize yourself. First, become... An undead zombie. Spookify. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, after he comes out of his coma, he gets into a battle with uh, Clement Barbeau, the muffler, because he doesn't trust him since he's been running the country while he was in a coma. Like, Trump kind of had this going on. I, I think I, I forgot to mention this in this episode. We talked about Trump a while back, but like, Apparently, when he was making people sing for him and stuff, he uh, he got a colonoscopy, which is in that that thing that that woman wrote about, uh, you know, just exposed a bunch of weird shit about the Trump administration. And you traditionally go under for a colonoscopy, but Trump refused anesthetic because he didn't want Pence to step in his place, apparently. Um, so this is a thing. <laughs> um Ooh. So he, I guess the idea, according to that writer, was, you know, this is common among megalomaniacs and dictators and stuff like that, <clears throat> which tracks with this story because he no longer trusted his friend Clement Barbeau after he got out of um, his coma and he fired him and then Clement Barbeau started like the the lore about all this, the legends are that he would like do stuff like threaten him from afar and call him on the phone and say like, how's your coffee taste this morning? Pretty good. <laughs> Knowing it's morning and he's drinking coffee and then fucking Papa Doc would spit out the coffee. I, you know, not knowing whether it was poisoned or not. Um, and apparently a genuine question. There was, yeah, he's just asking. There's an assassination temp attempt on the, the Doc children, the Valier children, and uh, the only people that die are, like, the chauffeur driver and the two bodyguards. And then, apparently, Clement Barbeau had sent a note to the palace after that that said, like, I was just target practicing. I hit everything or whatever. Like, uh, you know, won't miss next time or whatever. Something weird like that. <laughs> Some of this is hard to pin down because there's conflicting evidence and conflicting stories um one of the one of those history channel documentaries i watched like has one of these guys in it the guy they think actually did it uh which was the marksman francois benoit and he he says 
conflicting stuff with some of this shit, but like he also didn't quite have his story straight. So who the fuck knows? Um, so yeah, let's get back to the U S for a minute though. What's going on with the U S they are supporting this guy, right? And everything's kind of hunky dory as long as you're anti-communist and we'll help you, you know, jumpstart your heart and fight off the Cubans and stuff like this. Well, that starts to change during the Kennedy administration, because as we've talked about, Kennedy was kind of different from his predecessors when it came to the third world and had some ideas that, you know, maybe pissed off the CIA and stuff like that. Right. And so Kennedy started to put a little bit more pressure on Duvalier to liberalize. And right as this was happening, um, you know, there's this kind of scare in the, the presidential palace. And at the same time, there's a U.S. backed attack like from the uh was it US backed Yeah, from the I think they backed the Dominicans. But anyway, the Dominicans sent tanks up to the border because of some sp- dispute that Papa Doc and Trujillo, the Dominican dictator have had. And he's like, "Fuck, I'm finally going to die. Kennedy's coming for me and the Dominicans are coming for me." And then out of nowhere, the Dominicans they've had this inner dispute going on with their own leader and the the military says, no, nah, fuck you. We're not going to fight Haiti. And they just stop. And then like a few days later on, what's the date? Let me look it up. Halloween. No, November 22nd, 1963. The 22nd. JFK is assassinated. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he's in the palace and he's like, holy shit. The fucking the Dominicans stopped and the guy I had a problem with in the United States just died. Maybe that or, you know, maybe that's how it went down. A lot of the, the the legend about him, the urban legend is that he had a voodoo doll of John F. Kennedy and he stabbed it 2,222 times. And then uh, Kennedy was assassinated. That's that, that's your that's whole afternoon, truth. <laughs> right? That proves it was not just one bullet; it was two thousand two hundred twenty of them. Yeah, or that's Very how you small and quick. You make a magic bullet with a bunch of twos right. or whatever. So <laughs> that's probably like a bullshit, just you know, folklore thing. Because the main reason being that apparently voodoo dolls, that whole thing, is specific to Louisiana voodoo and okay. not Haitian. So. Not Haitian voodoo. All right. But still, the implication that he, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. He's, like, you know, probably doing something at his castle to to try to curse the U.S. government. Maybe he killed Kennedy. Probably not. But it's fun, right? You don't think he drew a line out of respect for the office? <laughs> Possibly. Um, yeah, so those two things happen at the same time. Um, there's also a couple other people that come for him. In 1964, there's these people called the the Jeune Haiti. They're like 13 uh, former... I think these are former... Haitian 
military that come after him. At some point, one of these is fucking spooks, like you can tell, but I can't remember exactly which one it is. Um, but yeah, there's another attempt on, there's another coup attempt on him. He fucking get, he captures them alive. He tortures them in town square and Port-au-Prince in front of like school children and shit. It's terrifying. Um, 1969, the PUCH is just an organized communist, uh, force attacks him. So they're like, he's outlawed communism officially, but there is communist organizing and they take another crack at him, but no one can seem to get him. And this attack is followed immediately by a visit from Nelson Rockefeller, as well as a U.S. ambassador named Clinton Knox, who's sort of overseeing all this and just making sure everything runs smoothly. Clinton Knox is really funny because he got made an honorary Tauntaun because he just liked them. <laughs> like when they give you pilot Friend wings. of the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Basically, the other things that happened during all this and the main sort of thrust economically of his government is uh, that... They're using this anti-communist position in opposition to Cuba to um, sort of like garner aid from the United States. And the aid is not going to the people at all. Like they they just pocket all of it. And the government's, you know, super corrupt and the term kleptocracy is actually coined while writing about the Duvalier government because uh, it's I, maybe the first example of this someone being in a dependency on the United States and then the like the fucking family li- literally just successioning all the money o- away instead of giving it to where it needs to be and just sort of dodging the United States and hoping they don't notice like how bad they're doing it or whatever. Um, he, Spooky. he, <laughs> he builds something called Duvalierville with all this money, which is just like a town he decides to build. They don't have like fucking running water and telephones and shit for a lot of this, but he just builds a town called Duvalierville cause he's crazy and it never gets finished either. It's still just kind of out there. It's just like a ghost town now where they started trying to build like, um, God, what did he have in it? He had something really crazy in it, and I fucking killing myself. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I had like a roller coaster or something insane like that. Um, and cool. <laughs> basically, what happened is he starts dying, and the last few things he does are this Duvalierville stuff, and some some uh, maneuvering with the Catholic Church because he had pissed off the church earlier, but he now sort of like wants to he he wants to win favor back with the Vatican and so he writes about it in his book essentially that he's like I fucking man- outmaneuvered that motherfucker so hard I did uh, a succession at him you know art of the deal like he thinks he manipulated the Pope and what's interesting is that yeah so the Pope allows him to sort of have bishops again and everything to sort of like come back into practice and then he allows the pope to come visit and the pope when he visits 
he goes around in the Pope mobile and he just yells at everyone about how like he roasts the government. It's crazy. And this is interesting because it's all around the time of like liberation theology starting. And to cut a long story short, Papadoc starts dying. Ambassador Knox sort of oversees the transfer of power to his son, who everyone calls Baby Doc, because uh, Papa Doc. This is the only successful transfer of power in the entire Haitian history. The only dynasty that's ever happened. The system works. <laughs> well, I mean, dynasties aren't great, so I kind of, maybe. Zombies in every town. <laughs> <laughs> and Baby Doc's... Uh, presidency is a lot longer and more boring well it's not longer but it's it's less uh interesting some main notes of it are that just that people start to everything starts to fall apart a lot more this is where you get this thing in like the 80s uh where people refer to haitians as boat people because they're <laughs> fleeing the country i shouldn't laugh at that but <laughs> that was like a headline they all own boats well, they're they were all really into boats. They're all coming like on boats to the United States, and because of the deals that the United States had with Papa Doc and how they also how they felt about Cuba, if you came from Cuba, they let you into the country, but if you came from Haiti, they immediately detained you and sent you back, and then eventually, this, this was pre Castro, I assume. Um, no, I think this is post Castro. Really? Yeah. Because oh, they're assuming that people coming from Cuba were fleeing. Right. They wanted the narrative of like, oh, we are okay. th this benevolent, you know, thing that takes in people from Haiti or from Cuba. But if you're coming from Haiti, they were just like, well, A, you're, A, America's racist. And B, you know, uh, I think they might have had sort of a deal with the Duvaliers where they were just like, you know, no, 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 you keep your people, sell them into slavery. You know, we won't. We'll just send him back or whatever. And so the Duvaliers started cracking down on the the people leaving the country. Um, but like professionals left, like legally, just to go to other countries and work because there's no economy. So they called it the brain drain. There's just like no, like nobody who knows how to do any, you know, professional jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. Sounds um, like something a zombie would set up. Brain drain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's a zombie who's trying to get his dick sucked, and he's like, brain drain. Brain strange. Strange. <laughs> strange. strange. <laughs> there you go. We found it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, this goes on and on and on and on, and there's like, even after Baby Doc, there's just more coups and stuff, and it's not until, well, okay, so I'll, I'll end on, on what kind of happens after that. Baby Doc, um... He's driving the country into the ground, and he's also, he's not only, like, pissed off, he's, he's not only doing all the horrible stuff that Papa Doc did, he's also pissing off, like, Papa Doc's base of black nationalists and uh, middle class and stuff like that, because he marries a mulatto woman, which also Papa Doc did, but it's, for some reason, it's just con considered way worse when he does it. It's the way he did it. Where <laughs> is his top hat? He's like a feckless leader because, like, he was a fail son. He just never did anything until he became the president of Haiti. He's kind of fat. He said he just laid around and partied and stuff. And then when he started having to do all this shit, all he did was take over the worst parts of Duvalierism. And um, 
started the only like ray of light that ever shone over this was when Jimmy Carter was elected and Jimmy Carter started trying to encourage liberalization in countries like Haiti and saying like conditionally we will send you money if you attempt to liberalize your economy but a everything was so wrecked that like even when they did properly send money to the towns across Haiti at this point they were so wrecked that like they it, it didn't even work like if you set up roads in a place it like didn't help people that didn't have cars and stuff like that or you know I don't know. There's a few examples in the book that I don't quite understand, but they were saying like, oh, you do drinking water is out here. And like, there's no immediate effect if you set up clean drinking water because people are just used to drinking like wells or something like that. Um, there's no way to like jumpstart the economy at this rate, I guess, is the argument. And, uh, and also the other thing is that eventually baby doc just started figuring out ways around all this to continue to get the aid money without like, doing anything uh or just like tricking the carter administration into thinking that oh yeah we're giving the money away but they're actually just siphoning it into all sorts of corrupt crazy shit and then uh it didn't matter because like reagan came up and they could tell reagan was gonna win apparently people think for some weird reason and when reagan won it was like right back into this dependency on the cold war bullshit that america was into and so reagan like loved baby doc and was like it's so great how you're you know allowing the economy to prosper because business and stuff and you're a little baby <laughs> and I, uh, I love babies <laughs> Yeah. Man had a hole in his brain. I know, man. <laughs> so things got fucking worse through Reagan, but eventually, long story short, and this does just go on and on and on. We don't have the time. I'm going to end the podcast now. It's at two hours, but like, um, you know, read about it. It's fucking interesting is things just fall apart way, 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 way more during Baby Doc, specifically in this town called Go Naives, which is like the, they said, even by Haiti standards, it's like a fucking shithole. Like every, it's, everyone's dying in the street of hunger and stuff like that. And so there's like a lot of uprisings in it. And finally, the the spirit of uprising that had been kind of bashed down through the Duvaliers sort of comes back, but it comes back in this in this form instead of something Marxist like we would like, like liberation theology becomes the thing. And so uh, the first, you know, they say like the first actually elected president was this guy, uh, Aristide who was a priest yeah. and he was a radical on some level. And, um, he was elected in, what is it? Like, I think immediately, immediately after baby doc in 1990. And then he was cooed and then he came back and won again, like years later. And so he's this crazy historical figure. Um, and I think that's a nice cap to end this on. I mean, obviously you could go all the way through up through like the fucking nineties and the 2011, uh, earthquake and everything, but we would be almost to modern history and, you know, this isn't that podcast, but, um, interesting ending to the story of all of this mythology and religion and stuff being used as propaganda and as, uh, ways to rally and inspire people. Which, I don't know. I don't even know if I like the ending of this. I like voodoo. I think it's fucking cool. I wish a voodoo guy had beat him and said, I'm going to do voodoo better. But because he chose voodoo, you know, maybe there's something to the idea that these uh, 
that this liberation theology and the and the stuff that the Pope was saying caused people to just rally behind uh you know all that symbolism or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't know much about liberation theology, so that's for another time. But anyway, that's Papa Doc and Baby Doc, the voodoo cra- daddy baby of Haiti. Voodoo is real. You heard it here first. Voodoo is real. And if you're out there this Halloween, please be careful and carry some grilled peanuts with you and some rum and some cigars to give to Baron Samedi if he visits you in your dreams. That's another thing he does. I forgot. He visits people in their dreams. <laughs> I do usually have that stuff on me, but it's good to know that there's a reason now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just if you're at the gas station, get some grilled peanuts because you might need to get give them to a smoking to share a smoking <laughs> edgelord roast comedian with a top hat and plugged noses and black sunglasses who will demand that you give him peanuts or else you won't make it all to all the way to hell and you'll become a zombie hell uh the grave whatever you know what i mean the grave Happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and had a spooky time. Let's do plugs. I was about to say. (laughs) I know. I know we're all tired. (laughs) I'm just trying to put a button on it. I was, uh, (laughs) you know. Because you're you're going you're performing for Halloween, correct? I am. I'll be at Fest in Gainesville, Florida, uh, Halloween weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and then I'll be in Jacksonville, Florida, November first, with Anya Volz, who is also on Fest, who I'm traveling with, and um, my album's out on November fifth everywhere. That's it. Anders. At Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley1, Instagram, Redacted Tonight, and this coming Tuesday, November 2nd, we will be doing an election night stream. There are some local elections and a couple state elections happening around the country uh, that we will be monitoring. So tune into that, twitch.tv slash America around 8, I think we're going to kick it off. Um... And uh, I'll probably have some guests on. It'll be a lot of fun. A lot of hot stuff coming in there. Nothing too exciting for me. You can follow all of my updates on Twitter at the signature Twitter account, Patak Test Kitchen, your one-stop shop for exciting new flavors. And that's all I have this week. Okay. Um, Be safe out there. Don't turn into a zombie or do but if you do who should we curse don't use What's it in this can we curse oh, somebody byron brown let's curse byron brown oh yeah okay i don't know how to do that but um what about I, the dominican republic no i don't want to curse <laughs> okay just trying to keep in in order with the haiti episode what if we try to use the twos my... on byron brown you know let's do it we'll make a doll of him and then yeah. Uh, flush it down the toilet 222 times. Oh, and check out our Patreon. We might have a ghost story episode coming up. <laughs> Do we? Do we have one? 
I think it's, Anders has got a ghost story he wants to tell. <laughs> well, it's my friend's ghost story, but it's a really good one. Uh, but we'll get some people with good ghost stories. That's my idea. I just thought of right now. Okay, we'll <laughs> sign tired. up. Okay, for the well, we're definitely doing it now that we said it on the radio. <laughs> so, all right, I'll see you there. All right, everyone. Happy Halloween.